In the first reading for Reformation Day, we are told to fear God and give him glory. The first reading is from Revelation, the 14th chapter. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth the sea, and the springs of water. This is the word of the Lord. I will speak of your testimonies before kings, O Lord, and shall not be put to shame. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Come, little children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. I will speak of your testimonies before kings, O Lord, and shall not be put to shame. In the second reading for Reformation Day, we are told that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but are justified by faith his gift of grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The second reading is from Romans, the third chapter. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the, of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by his faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the ones of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? Is it excluded? By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 8th chapter. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say, You will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the gospel of the Lord. So the legacy of faith... That reminds us of what we do here on Reformation Day and what we celebrate. In Luther's time, people did not know the, what they didn't know the scriptures because they didn't have the scriptures, but they didn't know the truths. 
For six weeks, we've been remembering what the contents of this book. Remembered Ten Commandments, remembered Apostles' Creed, remembered the Lord's Prayer, remembered confession and absolution and the joys about that, remembered the, apostle, the baptism and remembered the Holy Communion. Six parts, they're all in here. And the, the, one of the beautiful things of the Reformation is that Martin, who was this educated person, he was so educated that even when he became a monk, the monk said, why are you, you mean, he was, monks, all monks were just simple folks. They weren't educated like Luther was. But Luther knew all the Greek. He knew the Latin. He was well-educated, had a bachelor's degree in the arts. And he was in there and they're saying, why are you here? And he started reading the Bible in their midst. And he started teaching. They said, you need to be a teacher. And he recognized that people didn't know this good news. And when he did a survey of the communities, he sent out pastors and he sent out lawyers and other folks, and they found out what was the condition of God's people. And they did not know the truth. They were, they were enslaved. They were being tortured by evil things, saying that you're going to be thrown in hell for all these years, and there's demons and there's demonic things around you. If you're in the dark woods, because it was very dark in those days, and they didn't have electricity like we did and have light bulbs, so when the sun went down, it was dark. And... And in that world with um, things about witches and fairies and, and things like that in the woods, they also had Christianity. And to all this stirring confusion, he said, we've got to give them the truth. And so he wrote this book. Not this one, but this small catechism, right? And he passed it to parents. He gave it to moms and dads because he said, you're the first ones to teach the kids. I'm going to just hold on to this one for a second. You give it to the parents because they're the ones who have been entrusted the child. He gave it to fathers because he said, Fathers, I want you to teach your sons and your daughters the good news. I want you to teach them about God's law, God's saving grace. I want you to teach them how to pray in the Lord's Prayer. I want you to teach about the blessings of the sacrament, about being forgiven. That you confess and you have a contrite heart. This broken and contrite heart, Lord, you will not despise. And you remember the Psalms. And you teach them that from the parents. Don't rely on the priest and don't rely on anybody else, these educated ones. Moms and dads, you teach them. Dads, you teach your sons how to be godly men so when it's their time to be fathers, they know how to act like a godly man. And mothers, you teach your daughters how to be godly women so that when the daughters grow up, they know how to conduct themselves as godly women. And dads, you show your daughters how to be a godly man so that they know who to marry. That when they look at a man to marry, they'll say, is this a godly man? They'll have their father as an example. And when the sons are looking for daughters, they'll look at their mother and say, I want, this is my example, what a godly woman is, and this is who I'm to marry. Families, be families. And Luther affirmed that, and he gave us a small catechism. It meant that much. He put it to the source, to moms and dads in the homes. It was a gift to us. And we remember things like that today, holding these old catechisms passed from one family to the next, to the next, and to the next. I'll take a look at this. I'll start on this. I can go to cross. So this is the outside cover. These are leather bindings. Let me be real gentle with this and open it up. Just so you can kind of see the pages. They're kind of, it's a different kind of a paper. Ink that still lasts. But the pages are mostly white still. It hasn't changed. You recognize any of the languages? Try not to. So yeah, this is a German Bible. This is an old German Bible. Now I can't understand this language because I wasn't raised to know German. I think I had one semester of it when I was in class in Michigan. Um, 
But this old, old book. All right, about how old is this book? We don't know because there are no dates. It's been a guess. We don't know. <laughs> Sorry. What, what would be your guess? We'll just go with that. How old is this Bible? 300. 300. This Bible is 300 years old. Why don't you hold on to that one? We celebrate in the Reformation. Luther wasn't the first one to do this because out of the, out of the, the Greek missionaries that left, that left um, Constantinople and went north into the area of Black Sea, there was two brothers that went up there and they formed a language for the people. They wrote the liturgy in their language after having done so, and they also translated the scriptures for them. But in the Western world, in the Latin world, the church was not teaching the Bible. They had mass that was in Latin and the people spoke German, so how's the connection? Luther went through all this academic stuff, and it wasn't until he was in the monastery that he got access to a Bible. And every day while they were having lunch, they would have the students, or these, these monks would read the scriptures during their meals. And Luther wanted to do it all the time. They found him standing so many hours reading out that Bible, the sacred book, on a pedestal in their midst, that they finally gathered enough money, these monks, that they could give Luther his very own Bible. It was one of his most treasured gifts that he had ever received in his life because he was reading the Old Testament stories. He was reading the stories of how God's faithful would stand strong in the midst of oppression, that God's faithful people would not cower in the midst of their enemies. And God protected them and God blessed them and God kept them. And then he read about the New Testament ones, how how Jesus stood firm, how Stephen stood firm, even though he was being stoned. Into your hands, Father, I commend myself. Father, forgive them. He remembered this legacy of St. Paul. Against all of his adversaries, here I stand. Luther got those words from the scriptures. And he took those scriptures, having read them, and he gave them to his people in his own language. This, the greatest gift I've ever received, would be Luther says, I'm going to translate it, and we're going to put it in my people's language. And you would be able to hear this good news. You would be able to read it yourself, day and night. You could hear God speaking to you and comforting you. So you would not have to be afraid about witches and demons out in those dark woods in the darkness of night, in the cold of winter. You would have the promises of God here in your hands. And he translated, and the Gutenberg Press was rolling, and they were putting these things out. And people started to get them and read them. That is a gift that we affirm, even today. Almost everybody in this church today has at least one Bible. At least one. Because I know we give them to children when they're like in fifth grade, and we give them to confirmation, we give them in high school graduations, and we give them on our own. So we have Bibles today. What a beautiful tradition that we uphold today because of folks like Luther. But why the 500-year mark? You know, we have these, these old books. What's so special about today? What's the 500-year celebration about we did this Luther uh, trivia between services, and so for that, you would know the answer. If you weren't here for that, today marks a very special day. That after Luther went through his education process, and after he was being a priest, he was sent by this monks in the, the order, the order August, he says, go to this school, this new college in Wittenberg, and I want you to teach. There's no way we can keep you living this monastic life. You've learned too much your whole life, in addition to now learning the scriptures the way you know, not to preach and to teach. And so they sent him to go to Wittenberg to do these things. Well, on his way, to, before he could go to Wittenberg, the guy who said, go to Wittenberg and be a teacher, said, but, but first, I need you to go to Rome and deliver a, a message to the Pope. Wow. He's going to walk 880 miles by foot. From Wittenberg, Germany to, to Rome, or Wittenberg, Germany to Rome, Italy, 
880 miles. That's what Google just told me this last week. I wanted to see how the distance was. It could have been further. They might not have had as many roads. By foot. And along that journey, he saw a lot of things. When he got to Rome, he fell on his knees outside of Rome and said, At last, the holy city. He was looking so forward to entering the holy city and seeing the holy things of God and being close to the place where Peter and Paul and the cathedrals. and the, He was just so looking forward. And when he entered there, he was, he was saddened. It was crushed. It was, it was as dark and ugly as any city of any time in many ways. And one of the things that saddened him is with the selling of indulgences. It had troubled him once before and troubled him before. But when he was in the city and he's watching this, they would pay money. So if I was a priest from the Roman church and, you know, I needed to buy some more land so I could have some more vineyards. And you actually, you, one of you guys, maybe you had a, one of your children was sick and you wanted to have healing for your child. And you could touch the icon of something. Um, let me get something over here just for example. Let's say that this gourd came from Jesus' family and, and his mother grew this in her very own garden. If you touch this, your daughter will be healed. So you would pay 500 bucks, and you would touch this gourd. Wow. I mean, they were buying the opportunities to touch relics. They were buying the opportunities to um, touch bones. This is the, state, this is the, toe, the, the toe bone of St. Stephen. This is the toe bone of St. Paul. This is, the, this is a lock of hair from, from Mary herself. It was, it was, it was, he managed like Jesus walking into the money exchangers in the, whole, in the temple and he cast them out. It's like Luther experiencing this. They were selling these things. Um, and then to top that off, let's say that, um, I'll use your exams this time. Let's say that you're one of your family members, your great uncle, and he's passed away. And, and your great uncle, he knew a little bit about God, but he wasn't really the godliest man ever. He, he loved to party. He loved to enjoy everything about a party life. Somewhat of a scoundrel, maybe even, right? And he died. And now I'm the priest that's saying, you know what? He's in purgatory, and he's in the bottom of purgatory. It's really hot and uncomfortable down there. He's surrounded by all these demons and the, the fires. He is begging for the scorching relief parchment. And if you... Give me $500, I'll give you this indulgence, and you will move your, your beloved great-uncle out of the purgatory and get him closer up to heaven. And you would say, hey, man, I'm in for that. Here's 500 bucks. thank you. I'll take the 500 bucks. You get the purgatory, right? So they were selling it, selling the indulgences. Before you died, after you died, to get your families to move from the place of purgatory closer to heaven so that your, your, your payments of sins would be paid on this side of the earth to get you there. And when Luther was seeing that, it broke his heart. Because he's looking at people who is hampered by the, the witchcraft mysticism that's going on. They've got this fear of hell and burning and torture going on. And all along, here's his beautiful Savior revealed in scriptures who would go to the cross for us because we couldn't do it ourselves. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus himself sets us free. The Son sets us free. And he was exposed to all this good news and this, this gift of Jesus Christ that we read in the Romans today is by grace that you're saved, which is the power and the love and the energies of God himself that saves you. Through your faith, you're just, your gratitude and your believing that he did it. You have nothing to contribute. You do not pay one red nickel to get your hiney out of purgatory and closer to heaven. And so he fought that. 
He fought it by giving them the truth in the small catechism. He fought it by giving them the Holy Scriptures translated in their own languages. And he actually fought it by putting 95 points of argument nailed to the, to the, to the door like a bulletin board in his town. So to that door, he puts these 95 arguing points. And he says, we're going to talk about this. Well, the press is going, and actually puts those 95 points around a lot of different places. But it was a debate place like any colleges are. College, you can go, and that's where you can practice your debate. You might not even agree with what you're debating about, but it's just a practice of entering that conversation. Well, he posted these things up there, but he believed it. He says, we do not sell forgiveness. We do not do, behave like this. Pope, if you need to build your cathedral, St. Peter's, why don't you take it out of your own pocket? Don't take it from these peasant people who you are torturing with fear-like messages. So he put it on the wall. He nailed it. 95 Theses. He did it October 31st. That's what we remember. Today we're a little couple of days early. But as far as a Sunday, this is the closest Sunday. So we remember it today. That we are gifted salvation because God loves us. And in the baptism, we baptize babies. They don't do anything for it. It's a gift of God. In sacraments, for it, we just put our hands out and we say, Thank you, Jesus. Heal me. Thank you. Everything's a gift of grace. That's one of the things that Luther would give us. And he did this with a fight of indulgences. Last thing to highlight with this is on our Reformation Day, something to think about is why do we do this? Why is it we spend so much energy on a 500th anniversary? What difference does it really make? Now think about this. Do you know a person um, named Henry Hochul? You know any person named Henry Hochul? How about Gladys Hochul? Anybody ever met a Henry or Gladys Hochul? Anybody? Okay, how about this? How about an Irwin or a Doris Hochul? Did you ever meet an Irwin or a Doris Hochul? Anybody ever hear about them? Guys, you could raise your hand. <laughs> All right. So, Henry and Gladys are my great grandparents. I met them just a couple of times when I was a little kid. The only thing I remember about them is he gave me a long wooden stick that it was like a T, a short side here and a long handle. And he gave me an old wheel off of a tricycle. And he says, Now go push this around the block. And he showed me how to push it around the block. That was a toy. He was poor, he didn't have much. So he built that and he gave it to me. And it was amazing how I got that thing to go around the blocks. I got it to make the corners and didn't get run over in the street by it. And um, that's all I remember about him. My grandparents, actually, I even, I've not even been back to the, the burial spot of Henry or Gladys Hochul. My grandparents, the only people in this room who will know them were my sons, and they barely remember because they were so small. If we think about your parents, when you go by the, I, I'm new here. When I go by the tombstone, I don't know anybody in the cemeteries. I don't remember their name. I've got the names. They've come through history and they've gone out of history, and the world doesn't remember. What are they going to remember about you in two generations? Who will be there to remember your stories? All the things you've seen, all the things you've touched and tasted and smelled and experienced, who's going to tell your story? Unless someone tells your story, it's lost. One of the things that the church has done since the church was established by God, even in the Old Testament, is we're going to take time to remember. On Sundays, we remember. We remember things that go back to the Old Testament all the way through the things of times of Jesus, and then the church that followed, we remember that. 
We remember saints' days that followed that. Does anybody here know why Martin Luther was named Martin Luther? Think about this remembrance part. Luther was his dad's last name, so we got that. Why was his first name Martin? Take a guess. This is a small enough group we can take some guess. What, why would you... Why, what's that? There's a guess over here, St. Martin. What else would you say? My name is Jeffrey Lee Carpenter. Jeffrey, they just like the name of Jeffrey. It must have been kind of fashionable bell back in the late 60s. But Lee was my grandfather's name. So why would they name him Martin Luther? Mom's names, maybe something in the family. What else could possibly be it? Dad's names? What would you say? His dad's name was King? King Martin? Well, that'd be kind of cool. Good answer. Hey, I like it. I like it. Yeah. They gave him Martin's name. Think about the remembrance of this. So again, we got this, this thing going. Martin, his birthday is November 11th. The saint that was commemorated on November 11th is Martin, St. Martin of, of Lyons, the region. Martin, St. Martin's dad was a Roman soldier in the 300s, early 300s. He was a commander in the Calvaries. He started down in Spain, but he ended up in the top of Italy. They were getting ready to go to war against all those German nations to subdue them and bring them into the empire. Martin's son, Martin's dad was not a Christian, neither was his mother, but Martin, at the age of 10, was introduced to Christianity while he was in Italy, and he became a believer. And even though he grew in great competency as a soldier under his father, this Martin, eventually God softened his heart. And one day there was a poor thin beggar on the side of the road, and he saw him cold because it's cold in the north and it's cold in the winter times. And he took off his Roman cloak, and with his sword, he didn't kill a man, he struck his cloak in half, and he gave the poor beggar half of his cloak. That night he had a dream. The, the, the catechumen clothed me. This, this beginning little Christian in his beginning faith statements or faith maturity clothed me, Jesus. As if that was Jesus, he clothed himself. That confirmed his faith, and he says, I'm not going to kill another man. On my days of being a soldier over, the Romans didn't, the soldiers guard didn't like that. So they said, in order to get out of this, in this coming battle that was going to be in the, the, the region of Worms, Germany, which is the Diet of Worms, where Jesus, or Luther would say, here I stand. There's a lot of connectivities. They said, you're either going to go to prison, you're going to get killed, or you're going to go into battle ahead of us at the front lines with no armor and with no weapons. He says, I'll get weapons. And so this Martin goes before the thing, and he's lined up in the front to go into battle, meet his fate, because he would not fight, because he's a Christian man now. And they, the German princes said, we're not fighting, we capitulate, we, we surrender. He was saved. He went on to be a monk. He went on to be a priest. He went on to live a whole life of service. And he was then called a saint by the church. That was in year 316 to 330s. Now, to 14, late 1400s, here comes Martin Luther, and on the day of his birth, they're remembering this Martin here, and they name him Martin after St. Martin. Get how we're a church that remembers? We've always been that. That's part of our legacy. Martin Luther named after a saint. So when we gather on days like today, actually every Sunday we remember, but on today we especially remember this legacy. It's passed on from one generation to the next and to the next and to the next. And it's not about how charismatic or entertaining your pastor is. It's about hearing God's word and remembering who God is and who you are as a child of God.
That's what it's about. It's about gathering in this place and singing your songs of faith so that you will never, ever forget. You will not forget who St. Paul is and who St. Peter is. You will not forget who Jesus the Messiah is. You will not forget all of the prophets and all the saints of the Old Testament going back to the foundations in creation. We will not forget. We've been given the scriptures. We will read them. We've been given Sunday worship and we will participate in them. And we will pass this legacy on to the next generation and the next and the next. In fact, we are called to increase this legacy. Not just give it to our sons and our daughters and our grandchildren, but we're to give it to our friends and our neighbors who do not know our Lord and Savior. We pass it to everybody. That is the Reformation movement, reforming. And that is our legacy, and that's what we remember specifically on today. And it's cause for great celebration. Because, as the song said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of God. And it's true. It's already been won. We just share the good news. So thank you for being here on a Sunday morning. Thank you for being here on a Reformation Sunday. If you wore red, way to go. Um, I forgot at the early church. I confess. I had a green stole on at the early church. <laughs> so if you didn't know that you're a pastor, I'm just like you. I forget. But on our part here as a church, taking this from what we've remembered going forward, we know Jesus. That's what we do. As, as Christians particularly off of Martin Luther, we are to know him. We know the small catechisms. We know the teachings of the church. We have the Bible. We know the scriptures. We know the liturgy. We know the life cycle of Jesus and the church. Remember it every year. We will know our Lord personally. And if we don't, we're going to feel a call, especially on today, to get to know him more. Simple stuff. Know who your Lord is. Don't know about him. Know him. The second part, then, is you make him known. If you don't get any of that out of the Luther story, you've missed it. Because <laughs> he was, remember, small catechism to make Jesus known. Translating the Bible to make Jesus known. Um, putting the, putting the, the worship services in the, in the language of the people to make him known. Making sure we got communion in both kinds, not just bread, but bread and wine to make Jesus known. It is what we do as a church. We know our Lord and we make him known. And as we go forth from this celebration, let's remember those who have preceded us. Luther, Martin, apostles, saints, Jesus, God our Father. And then let's know that. And then this coming week, as we go forward in years, God help us to make him known. Thank you for a Reformation celebration. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for Martin Luther. And bless us as we go forth. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll sing our hymn.